freight efficiency with NACFI's Mike Roth and Friends. In episode 29, Jack Allen, chairman and CEO of Proterra joins us, where he talks about his career at Navistar, how he ended up at Proterra, the progression of electrification in the transportation sector, and how he sees Proterra fitting into that process. We also have a spirited discussion about some often overlooked factors in the electric vehicle total cost of ownership calculations. Today we have joining us Jack Allen. He's chairman and CEO of Proterra and someone I've known a really long time. So um, Jack, I'm excited to talk to you and, and catch up on things. Welcome to uh, my podcast. Hey, thanks, Mike. It's great to be here. You know, this, uh, this podcast called Freight Efficiency with NACFI's Mike Roth and Friends, kind of a catchy little thing. And I have to say, uh, you might win the award so far. We've done about 30 of these for knowing me the longest. Well, I do be, remember uh, back in uh, the late 90s or mid 90s, uh, being on the interview team for you to come to work uh, at Navistar in Fort Wayne. Tell us about your career. I mean, how did you get into trucking? Was it all with uh, Navistar, maybe International Harvester, but a, a little bit about your career and then uh, what, what led you to Proterra? Sure. So I, um, you know, I was blessed to have a wonderful career at Navistar. I spent 33 years there, uh, started as an engineer and, and did a lot when I was, when I would have met you, uh, you know, would have done a lot of pro product planning around that period of time. Uh, I lived on the West Coast as a regional uh, sales manager in the early 90s. Uh, I had the opportunity to run the, the Navistar uh, Ford joint venture. I was in our parts group, our engine group, and truck group. And, uh, you know, I retired early. I retired. I was only 56 years old. Uh, I was a chief operating officer at the time uh, in 2015. And uh, you know, I had a great relationship with, with Troy and with the board, but I just felt that, uh, you know, that what Troy really needed to do was develop the next tier of leaders at Navistar. Uh, you know, Troy and I were very close in age, and uh, so I thought it was best for me to, to go do something else, and, and it worked out. Troy, uh, uh, you know, put a couple of people in key positions, and uh, today, you know, Percy Oldis is the CEO of Navistar, so uh, succession planning can work when it's uh, when it's done thoughtfully. I grew up a farmer in Ohio, and I, you know, my grandfather was as true an international harvester, um, you know, equipment owner, you know, as anybody. I remember when uh, when Harvester had some trouble building corn planters, and he had to buy a John Deere. Uh, you know, he kept that in the barn unless it was unless, <laughs> unless it was in the field because he didn't want anybody to see that he had a green piece of equipment. And, you know, those those. And so I, I felt it a real honor to, to come to Navistar. And, and you know, uh, there was some some great stuff we did, you know, in the in the 90s and 2000s. Um, so very proud of those days. I mean, anything strike you in, in those times? I'm sure that does. You know, I think that. Um... You know, competing in a really tough market, uh, you know, was something that, you know, it, it always struck me was the resilience of the people uh, at Navistar to to handle any challenges that, you know, you know that the company had uh, and overcome them. The dealers were, you know, just a great asset for the company. Uh, you know, I made many, many lifelong friends. So, you know, I, I was really, you know, really thrilled to, to have the opportunities that were presented to me at Navistar. 
you know, you're young and retired and you're yeah. trying to figure it out. Why, why, why Proterra and how did that happen? Well, um, I was asked by um, an investment company called Generation Investment Management. They wanted to make a investment into Proterra. Uh, this is a, a big London-based uh, venture capital company that's uh, run by Al Gore and David Blood. So uh, I went, I did some uh, work for them, some due diligence with them. And, you know, I went out to Burlingame. I met Ryan Popple, met some of the other employees. And, uh, you know, just I was like, wow, this is really neat. And I thought, you know, this technology really has the opportunity to completely disrupt the, the diesel commercial vehicle market that you know I had to spend 33 years in. So uh, they asked me to go on the board, uh, which I did back in, in 2017. At the time, the company was just making transit buses. And I thought there was a great opportunity for this company to take their technology and become a tier one. So I was happy to go on the board and help them do that. And then uh, about, well, about 15 months ago, uh, they asked me to, to be the CEO as the company is moving out of being a private company uh, into being a public company and really needing to scale up the business. So uh, I'm still young. So I agreed, uh, I agreed to do that. I did not know what, how to spell the word COVID when I agreed to do that. None of us did. <laughs> None of us did. So it's been a, it's been a really wild, wild 15 months, uh, both from a fundraising standpoint, but also, you know, all the developments here in EV and the acceleration of, you know, the, the whole EV story here in, in the United States and frankly, around the world. Yeah, this is kind of eerie, um, you know, how we sort of kind of, I don't know, some of the opportunities that we've each had over the last 20 years have kind of bounced into one another. So when I, uh, my last role at Navistar was on uh, fuel economy and helping create a strategy going forward. And part of that was working with the DOE and, you know, the 21st century truck partnership and so forth. And, and somehow, I don't remember how, but somehow in about maybe 2008 or nine, um, I was in Birmingham and met Dale Hill and the team there. And then again, in Greenville, South Carolina, working on, um, I, re I recall, uh, Proterra was exploring some of these delivery vans um, sure. back back a long time ago. So it's just um, it's just interesting. And so, you know, to, to see um, an idea back then move to probably then, you know, production of buses, like you mentioned, to now scaling up is probably your your biggest challenge or your biggest thinking right now. Do I kind of have that right? Yeah, no, you're, you're exactly right. I mean, th this industry is at an incredible inflection point. Um, you know, right now. So, you know, you're right. This company does have a storied history. Um, you know, it, it, I think some of the things that we're most proud of is, you know, first off, it's an American company and it's an American technology leader with technology that was developed here in America. Uh, and that's, that's something that's really, I think, critical to the company. But, you know, this, this company is, is not a, uh, it's not a PowerPoint company. You know, this company has built uh, 300 you know, megawatt hours of battery systems. We've sold over a thousand transit buses. We've installed 45 megawatts of charging capacity. Uh, we have partnerships now as on a tier one with over eight companies, including you know, premier brands like Daimler uh, and Komatsu. So uh, you know, what, 
what we really want to do is we want to build uh, the, the EV technologies that power the world's best performing commercial vehicles. Uh, that's, that's kind of our mantra right now. We've been working on electric trucks since 2018. And, you know, I, I got to say, I was a pretty much a, you know, uh, you know, batteries really hauling freight. You got to be kidding me. And I've, uh, you know, I've, I don't know if I've come full circle, but I've come an awfully long way. And so has the NACFI team. And, you know, the whole ecosystem of electric heavy duty vehicles, you know, very pretty quickly, somebody will say in a meeting, well, you know, the, the, the beachhead or the first wave is transit buses. And then we're going to move into, you know, medium, medium box trucks and ultimately heavy and so forth. But it, it, that, we hear that all over the place and you're living it. I mean, you, you're, you're right in that, in that detail. I mean, it's gotta, gotta make you feel like you're really have a head start on things. Yeah. I mean, clearly transit buses are going first and it's going for a couple of reasons. You know, certainly there's city and state mandates where the cities and states are mandating. This is what we're going to do, but the total cost of ownership uh, right now is around six years break even on a transit bus and transit buses run for 12 years. So that that's really why transit buses have gone first. It's because of the, you know, the miles that you put on them and, and the, uh, the time that the customer keeps the, uh, the vehicle. So transit buses are first. Uh, we're convinced second is school buses, and that's right underway right now. Uh, third is, is going to be delivery uh, vehicles, and that's certainly starting up in earnest, both class three all the way up to uh, class seven uh, vehicles. You know, after that, uh, we believe that port trucks, so class eight day cabs going in and out of ports are going to make a lot of sense and they're probably going to get mandated also. And then we'll see, you know, medium duty pickup and delivery vehicles that go home every night would be the next one. Uh, then probably some more class eight vocational vehicles. And then, you know, the Holy Grail of course is class eight long haul that, you know, uh, we're biased. We, we believe that by the time uh, anybody's ready for fuel cell, uh, batteries will be there first, and the economics around the batteries will be better, and there won't need to be the big ex expenditure of uh, infrastructure for hydrogen. Boy, that's exactly what uh, NACFI is is predicting as well. I mean, uh, I, I mean, a couple of nuances that you know, it, you know, um, especially in in moving goods, the. Um, uh, terminal tractors, uh, electrifying terminal tractors come to mind. And then the other thing that we keep discovering and thinking about is these return to base, you know, day cab regional hall tractors. They, those, you know, and those, that's a growing segment with all the, you know, all the technology around um, knowing where the freight is and, and being more um, predictable and, and moving goods. But um, yeah, we're, so um, maybe you just, maybe you don't want to give us any insight, but are you planning on participating uh, with Proterra in all those markets or you'll just look at one, each one as they come after transit school buses? You know, we're, we're really focused um, for the commercial vehicle segment as being a tier one. You know, we've looked at producing the whole vehicle and, you know, school buses was a great example. We studied that forever, but, you know, there's three really good brands of, of school buses out there today with, uh, you know, distribution and sales networks and relationships that are established for many, many, many years. 
And we just thought the best way for us to participate in school buses was to, you know, to focus on uh, the, the powered aspect of that. And uh, so that, that's where we're going on school buses. And frankly, that, that's you know, more than likely where we're going to be uh, as a tier one across commercial vehicles and construction equipment. Makes a lot of sense. I'm, I'm really interested to see how, and maybe you can comment on it, how, how, how far that integration will go. I mean, do you, do you end up getting into the axles and into cooling, or can you just stay focused on motors and batteries and the, the computers to run them? Or uh, I guess we'll, time will tell how. how... Yeah, time will tell. So we do all that for ourselves in the transit market today. You know, we have our own e-axle. We do, you know, we, we, you know, we have the, the battery system. We have the high voltage junction box and all the controls associated with that. And we offer all those products to our tier one partners. And it's kind of a menu. Some want to do more themselves. Some want us to do everything. So we, you know, we're very versatile. It's a, you know, it's a good nimble startup company. Uh, we're very versatile in that front. We reconnected a couple of weeks ago after not talking for a number of years. And you, uh, you noticed that I and NACFI was helping the Department of Energy announce some uh, FO, some funding opportunities, um, Super Truck Three and a and a uh, more focused passenger car award. Um, and you know, we 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 sent some texts back and forth, Jack, and so right. forth. And then just a week later, you one upped me um, with uh, hosting President Biden in a virtual tour of the Greenville uh, manufacturing facility and. And then um, you spoke at the summit. So what was it like um, uh, telling Proterra's story uh, to, uh, geez, a huge audience, and including the president of the United States? Yeah, it was, um, it was quite surreal, Mike, I have to tell you. Um, you know, this administration from, you know, the president to the secretary of energy to the secretary of transportation, you know, they are incredibly focused on, you know, moving, you know, this country towards electrification and creating the jobs associated with it. You know, uh, Senator Schumer introduced a bill yesterday to provide $73 billion of funding to convert the entire 70,000 transit buses in this country to electrification. So there is just an incredible amount going on. And as such, I was invited to be one of the 40 people to speak a couple of Fridays ago at President Biden's uh, you know, summit on climate, uh, which was just an incredible honor for Proterra to do that. And then, you know, to get the president ready for that summit, uh, we were asked to give him a tour of uh, our facility in Greenville. And then just the way logistics worked out, we did it on the whole thing on Zoom. So we took about an hour and, and I walked through the factory talking to uh, the president uh, and uh, introduced him to many of our uh, employees that were doing work on the line, and they showed him uh, what they what they did in their station, and he was able to get a really good feel for what you know what it takes to put together uh, a transit bus with an electric battery system. It was cool, and I uh, I watched it, and I think um, what you did there with the um, folks building the buses, you know, I remember the uh, woman on top of the bus talking about how she installs the cooling system and some people in other places, other parts of the assembly line. I think that's really good. And it, and it really shows the, the, uh, you know, the, the people really making it happen. And the same thing we did when we did the 
uh, DOE announcement, we, uh, I had a couple of truckers, you know, mm -hmm. calling in actually in on zoom, uh, participating from their truck cabs at truck stops and, you know, in Ohio and Iowa. So I do think that, um, you know, perspective is, is really a good thing when we talk about, you know, these are big challenges and this is big money. Um, and you know, it, making it real, um, is very helpful. Yeah, we had a lot of fun with it. The, uh, you know, we, we chose the employees very carefully. Uh, and then we just told them on Monday, hey, we're, we were going to have some high level visitors on Tuesday. So, uh, you know, just want to give you a little bit of heads up. And then, uh, you know, they work uh, uh, 10 hour shifts there. So we have a 5.45 a.m. meeting and we told everybody what, they, what was going to happen. You know, the, the emotions were just incredible. And they were like, you know, can I tell my husband? Can I tell my family? And, and, and we said, sure, you just go to White House uh, gov slash live and they're going to be able to see you. So it was really just phenomenal for our employees to have, you know, the once in a lifetime opportunity to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with the president of the United States. Yeah, yeah. So we got to, you know, between you and me, we got, uh, 60 years of, of building diesel diesel truck experience, trying to act like we know electric electrification. So I've got two things I'd like to yet explore in our time together. Yeah. One is you mentioned TCO a few minutes ago and the TCO of a battery electric heavy duty vehicle, you know, for you, it's a bus versus, um, you know, the uh, diesel counterpart. And, you know, we're all trying to figure out the hard, the soft and the extra soft, my team likes to call it, you know, benefits and costs that build up that TCO. You know, what, what are what are a couple of TCO items that our audience may not understand yet that you have kind of figured out in transit buses that you think might relate to trucks? Is it maintenance or is it that the driver likes it or what are some things that that you found that uh, you think are significant? Well, on the soft sides, the drivers love them. Uh, the, the, you know, they, a transit agency can't get a driver to go back to diesel once they've had it in electric. Uh, the acceleration, uh, the, the quietness. And I, I think maybe that's one of the things that nobody talks about is how, you know, the, the what I'll call noise pollution uh, that you and I both know is inevitable in a diesel powered product. So one of the soft things here is certainly noise. Uh, I think the other thing that is really not contemplated as much is downtime in the, in people's calculation. They calculate, okay, you know, I, I don't have to do an oil change. Uh, I don't have to do breaks as often. And they calculate the dollars associated with that, but they don't calculate often as I've seen in TCO calculations, the fact that that vehicle is on the road generating revenue in an electric vehicle, one in a diesel, not only is it you know getting a brake job, it's also you know down and not not collecting revenue. So those are a couple of things that I think uh, are often not not considered. Yeah, and I think we uh, one way I look at that final one around downtime and so forth is um, you know in the seventies, eighties, nineties, all fleets had um, you know ten percent more vehicles than they needed because the downtime was so unpredictable, so prevalent. Um, now we've had our, you know, challenges over the, you know, in the last couple of decades with trucks, but um, for the most part, they've become more dependable, more reliable, and the fleets don't have those backup uh, trucks and buses to just put into service. So I agree with you. And I, and I absolutely think, you know, it's something we've got to be um, 
you know, conservative on, it's easy to say, you know, I lost this much revenue and it's this huge number, but um, you know, even if you look at 10 or 20% of that, that, that is a significant. So yeah, thanks for that. The other thing I wanted to explore with you is around all these different like uh, truck dealerships, service organizations, um, you know, when we think about, and, and maybe we fast forward uh, 20 years when, you know, there's a lot of electric vehicles out there in these markets you talked about earlier, what's, um, you know, what's going to be, we've got all these new OEMs that are emerging. Um, so what, what are some of the things that you see from an industry standpoint that we should be doing a little more work on now to prepare? Uh, I do think the dealership model is going to get tested here and turned upside down. Uh, over, you know, not in the next couple of years. There's such a huge park of vehicles out there on, you know, diesels that it's not, it's probably not going to, not going to impact while I'm still working. But, you know, in the, in the 10 to 20 year standpoint, I think it's going to be a lot different. I'll just give you an example. I, I uh, you know, yesterday, as a matter of fact, I turned in my Tesla, three-year lease on my Tesla. The only thing I did to that vehicle in three years was once change the windshield wipers myself. That's it. That's it. And it's never once was in for service. Uh, over the air updates are a phenomenal, a phenomenal thing to reprogram a vehicle. And nobody, I've not seen anybody do it uh, better than Tesla has. So, you know, I, I do believe that, you know, the dealership model is going to get tested here. One of the reasons that Proterra went into transit is it's all direct sales. You know, mm -hmm. there, there is no dealership and the, you know, uh, transit agencies either outsource service or 90 some percent of them do all their service themselves. Yeah. And I do think this is a journey, not a, uh, you know, like the proverbial marathon, not a sprint. I mean, uh, you know, I, I, I had a conversation with some, some folks that do a lot of work with truck dealers in the last couple of weeks, and they were nearly panicking about electric trucks. And I'm like, Whoa, keep your powder dry. This is, you know, yes. Think you should be thinking about it. Should be looking at it. Um, but, um, you know, this is more of a evolution, not a revolution and, and, um, you know, uh, professional executives that, you know, take a good approach to it. Now it's a big change, probably one of the biggest ones we'll see in, in you know, in, in, in our careers, even though, you know, maybe on the back end of them, but, uh, but, uh, uh, but I mean, it's not like it's, you know, something that, except in some certain niches maybe that are, um, you know, that you need to panic over. Yeah, you and I both know that dealers make their money on parts and service, and servicing uh, diesel vehicles is going to be around for a long, long time. Final question. We always run out of time pretty quick. You know, uh, as you're thinking about it, maybe Jack thinks specifically to, to trucks, right? Those box trucks and sure. dredge and van and, you know, and heavy, tr heavy tractors, whether it's regional or sleeper long, long haul and all that kind of thing. So, you know, there's a whole big ecosystem that's that's um, that's happening here with utilities and with uh, all kinds of things. You know, managed charging, all kinds of organizations out there. So, um, you know, what, what's your advice to that whole ecosystem as uh, as we go about these going from just one-off deployments to, uh, to to really scaling in some of these segments? To me, you know, everybody's paying a lot of attention to the vehicles right now. Uh, I think they need to spend more time thinking about charging and thinking about infrastructure. Uh, that is still, you know, very undefined. You know, Proterra is in the charging business today. We have a, a complete business unit that does charging. The reason we got into that is that our transit customers didn't know where to turn to 
to be able to charge their vehicles. So there was nobody focused on fleet charging uh, today. A lot of people focused on, you know, on the, uh, the charge points in the world, focused on the, the automobile side, light duty side, but nobody was focused on you know, commercial vehicle charging. And that's, that's changing right now. But uh, you know, the, the fleets that we've had conversations with on the commercial vehicle side uh, lately have all been about charging and how they should be thinking about infrastructure and relationships with utilities. Hey, Jack, it's been great, you know, kind of rekindling a couple of old memories and then, uh, you know, really looking at this market from where we've been and where we're going. Um, It's been a lot of fun. Um, Thanks for being on. Uh, My pleasure. And I'm sure we'll be able to talk more in the future as uh, as time progresses on, on electrification of North American commercial vehicles. Freight Efficiency with NACFI's Mike Roth and Friends.